Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Good morning, Lake Point. So good to see you all today. Hey, a special word of welcome to those of you who are joining us online, as well as at many of our campuses around the Dallas area. We want to say a special word of welcome to you. I also want to say a special word of welcome to the Forney campus. Uh, that two weeks ago, we transitioned in a brand new lead pastor there, Pastor Jeremy Prather. Can we just celebrate right now that Jeremy is here? And he is gonna be leading the charge for the Forney campus moving forward. We're so excited about what God is gonna be doing right there in the Forney campus under your leadership, Pastor Jeremy, in the days ahead. Hey, as we get started today, I wanted to tell you about an article that I read this past week. That I read an article about a vegan woman who was upset that her neighbor was barbecuing. This is true. She was so upset that she decided to sue her neighbor over barbecuing hamburgers and fish in their backyard. She actually took it to court. Now, the court tossed this case out, said we're not even gonna see this, but what was interesting was the response that the internet had to this. That a petition began to go around. Who would come to a public barbecue right around this lady's house? And over, yeah, no lie, over 6,000 people said we're in. So I don't know if it's gonna happen or not, but they are planning the barbecue fest of all barbecue fest for this vegan woman to enjoy. Now, how many of you at all of our campuses have ever had a neighbor that was somewhat annoying? How many of you ever had that neighbor? You know the ones where some of you are like, I have right here, I'm raising my hand. How many of you have had that neighbor that like 11 o'clock at night is when they decide that they're gonna show you just how good their sound system is? You know what I mean, right through your walls? They use your front yard as their dog's public porta potty and they never pick up. You know the neighbors that I'm talking about. If you don't know the neighbors I'm talking about, you might be that neighbor. So you need to watch out on this, okay? <laughs> I was recently, though, uh, looking through this article and I want to ask this question How many of you, by a show of hands, you have ever concocted a somewhat evil plan at how you could retaliate against one of these said neighbors? Raise a hand and raise it high right now. Keep it up. Everybody look around. The people raising their hands do not move next to them, okay? They are evil. (laughs) But I was reading this article uh, that told these different stories about how people had retaliated against their neighbors. And I wanna show you some pictures that I found in this article. The first one says this. It says, we have video. Go ahead and put that picture up. We know where you live. If you don't pick up after your dog, we will send our grandson to poop in your yard. (laughs) Y'all, I got a feeling human poop's way worse to clean up in a yard than animal poop, but whatever, all right? This next one. I love this one. Two, whoever called the police on my lawn instead of talking to me like a good neighbor, your move, right? We got some flamingos there. And then my personal favorite, this next one. That is the full moon topiary right there, y'all. 
Some of you are writing that down and said, I'm doing that when I get home. This is our nature, isn't it? That if someone wrongs us, we have this inner desire to settle the score. That if our neighbor's basing at night, we're gonna buy the next bigger sound system and base right back. If they want us to not barbecue our meat, darn it, we're gonna fire that grill up every single night. We have this desire to settle the score when someone's wronged us. And that's what makes today's topic especially difficult for some of us. That we're in the middle of this series called Asking for a Friend. These questions that we wanna ask, yet we just don't quite know how to ask them. And today's topic is forgiveness. That how do we forgive? And and that's where this gets tough because our nature is anti-forgiveness. Our nature is let's settle the score, let's let them get what they had coming. Yet forgiveness is what's asked of us as followers of Jesus. You see, it's not only followers of Jesus that this talk is relating to. That if you're far from Jesus today, you can understand the power of forgiveness. You can probably understand it because you've carried the pain along in your life and you know exactly how that pain has affected the way you walk through day in and day out. I want you to hear what psychology today has to say about forgiveness. This is not the Christian publication. This is a secular article written in psychology today. And this is what they say about forgiveness. The truth is that forgiveness is more powerful than you might think. Just like with anything in life, there are costs to your choices. Staying angry, resentful, and vengeful comes at a price. Psychologically speaking, when people reported higher levels of forgiveness, they also tended to report better health habits and decreased depression, anxiety, and anger levels. We can get into this mode to understand that forgiveness is extremely important for us. So why is it so hard at times? Why is it hard when we begin to say, yes, but if I forgive, doesn't that just let them loose of all that they have done? Why is it hard when a pain from the past continues to resonate in your soul some 10, 15, 20 years later, why is it so hard for us to forgive? Why is it hard when we walk into that room and that one person is there and the rest of the night is ruined because that one person is at the same party you're at? Why is it so hard to find peace in the midst of our pain? So what we're gonna be looking at today is what the scripture teaches about forgiveness. How that it can change the way you and I function. How it can change the way you and I walk through life when we become people of radical forgiveness. If you have a Bible, I invite you to open it up to Colossians chapter three. And as you're doing that, I wanna just give a quick pause to the sermon and recognize something. That I recognize in rooms like ours, in all of our campuses, that there may be some of you that forgiveness is a very bitter pill to ever begin to swallow. That something has happened to you that's so devastating that you're not really sure that you could ever forgive for it. That maybe something horrific has been in your backstory and forgiveness to you seems like an unattainable goal. And here's what I want you to know, that if you sit here today struggling with forgiveness, you are not alone. That Jesus walks beside you on this path to forgiveness and he walks as slowly as necessary to get you to a place to where you can forgive. So I want you to hear this clearly, that if today this topic is sensitive for you, Please know that I understand and I promise you, you do not walk alone, that Christ walks every step with you along the way. But I do want us to get to a healthy spot, a spot where we can begin to forgive freely as Christ forgave us. So to do that, let's take a dive into the scripture in Colossians chapter three, verse 12. 
It's gonna be on your worship guide that you received as well as on the screens. And Paul is beginning to talk to those who follow Jesus about what it looks like to live a new life that is wrapped around who Jesus is. Let's dive into Colossians chapter three, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. I love how Paul describes this, that it's as though we're putting on this cloak of kindness and of gentleness and of patience, humility and compassion, verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone else. Forgive as the Lord God forgave you. Now, if you have a pen, circle it on your worship guides. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, the basis of our forgiveness comes from an understanding of what Jesus has done for us. That we forgive because God forgave us, verse 14. And over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Paul ties this nice bow around all of these attributes and says, above all, make the choice to love. And when you make the choice to love, you'll make the choice to forgive, you'll be compassionate, you'll be kind, you'll be gentle when you make the choice to love. You see, the attitude of the life of the believer must be one of radical forgiveness because it mimics what Jesus did for us. So today we're gonna be looking at what forgiveness is. We're gonna also be looking at what forgiveness isn't because I think there's some clear distinctions between the two. And then today we're gonna walk away with some new tools on how to forgive. You see, we don't forgive to change our past. And I want us to understand this today. We don't forgive to change our past. We forgive to set free our future. And some of you are seated here today and you have been stuck in the past for so long, you don't feel like there could ever be freedom to pursue a future. And I want you to know that there's hope found in the forgiveness of Jesus and his ability to allow your heart to release as well. What I want us to look at is what forgiveness is to begin. The first thing that forgiveness is, is that forgiveness is a canceled debt. That if you're wondering how do I describe forgiveness, it is something that was owed to you has now been canceled. And this is what goes against our very nature. Someone wrongs us, now they owe us one, right? Someone disappoints us, now they owe us one. Forgiveness asks for that debt to be canceled. See, there's a scripture in Matthew 18, this story, when Peter and Jesus are sitting and talking, and they've just been talking about how to handle people who have done wrong against them as believers. And so Peter and Jesus are sitting here talking and Peter says, Jesus, what should we do when someone offends us? Should we forgive them seven times? You see, what Peter was basing his seven on was that typically of that day, you had to forgive someone three times. The fourth time they did it, you didn't have to forgive any longer. So Peter thinks he's out kicking his coverage when he says, what should we do, seven times? And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 Peter. That for you to forgive, it's not just seven times. It's seven times 70 times is how often we may need to forgive. See, I don't think Jesus is making a new punch card to how many times we need to forgive. This isn't an equation about forgiveness. This is a paradigm shift for those who follow Jesus, that we would be people of radical forgiveness. He goes on to tell this story about a master and his servant. And we find out that the servant owes this master 10,000 bags of gold. More money than the servant would ever make in his lifetime is what the debt he has incurred for his master. And the master comes calling for his money one day. And the servant comes to him and the master says, it's time for you to repay me. 
And the servant says, well, I don't have this money. And he says, fine then, I'm gonna sell you, I'm gonna sell your wife, I'm gonna sell your kids, I'm gonna sell all of your possessions to begin to repay your debt. The servant is heartbroken. And he falls on his knees in front of the master and he begs him for mercy. And the master grants it. He says, okay, I'll give you mercy. Your debts are forgiven, you owe me nothing. Can you imagine the way this man would have walked through life with his debt canceled? It's counter though to what you and I typically see in our world that we walk through. That we don't typically see canceled debts, we typically see, hey, karma's gonna get them. They're gonna get what they had coming. You think about it. The guy driving down the highway, 100 miles an hour, he swerves over, cuts you off. What do you hope happens to that fella? Some of you are like blown tire and rollover, and you are evil, y'all. No, you hope that there's an officer, right? The polite thing, a big old fat ticket sitting just in this guy's future. He should not be driving that fast. He should not have cut me off. He needs to get what he had coming. You think about it. You get fired from that perfect job that you love so much. You had been helping this company all along, but the new boss didn't quite see your value and let you go. And what do you secretly hope for? You hope that the margins shrink. You hope that the bottom line goes through the tank. You hope that that company just begins to understand what they did when they let you go. It gets a little deeper, doesn't it? That we have a bitter divorce and we couldn't possibly dream of hoping for our former spouse to ever achieve any kind of happiness again. In fact, it makes us so frustrated and so crazy when we look on Facebook and see that they've moved on because they've hurt us. They didn't get what was coming to them. How in the world could we move on? Maybe you're the survivor of abuse. And you think, man, if I forgive this, wouldn't that just be unfair to let them off the hook? How in the world could I ever walk down this path of forgiveness? See, this topic is tough because it's against our nature, yet forgiveness asks for a canceled debt that we don't keep holding over people what they have done to us. Not only is it a canceled debt, but forgiveness is also a series of choices. It's a series of choices that may have to be made every single morning, it may be having to be made every single season, that it may be having to be made every single minute, this choice to forgive. That it's a choice not to get even. It's a choice not to hope that they get what they deserve. And it may be a choice you have to make daily on this path to forgiveness. I was telling my wife as I was writing the sermon the, last week, that I was like, you know what, Megan, I think, I think I'm pretty good at forgiveness. I don't feel like I have all this unforgiveness resting in my soul. This was the arrogance of Chris talking. Later, literally later that day, I'm sitting and I'm scrolling Facebook, and I come across a picture of an old acquaintance that I knew in middle school. Hadn't seen him since middle school. But I, what I remembered of this guy is that he was cruel to me. He was a bully to me in middle school. He was never the guy that had my back. And as I scrolled across this picture, I saw an image of a guy who wasn't doing well in life. You could tell it all over it. The image was about how he had just lost his job. He was looking for a new place to live. He just didn't look good. And something in my soul got excited when I saw this person's downfall. It was a terrible spot for Chris to be in that there was something in my soul that sparked and goes, good, he got what he had coming. And then the Lord just did this big old backhand right across and said, Chris, this is exactly what you're about to go talk about, that you have not forgiven this guy for what took place 20 years ago, and that's the reason you hope he gets what he has coming. See, for many of us, 
There are these stories that are backwards in our life that we're sitting on going, how can I ever get past them? And perhaps it's the ones that when you see that that person has fallen, if you cheer, there may be some unforgiveness lurking in your soul. See, Colossians chapter three, when we keep reading, we're gonna see that forgiveness leads to something. So pick it back up with me in verse 13. Colossians chapter three, verse 13. Forgive as the Lord God forgave you and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Isn't that what we really want, y'all? That in this unforgiveness, in this bitterness that we feel in our soul, isn't our desire peace? That we don't wanna feel that way any longer. So think what we're gonna find is that on this road to forgiveness is a path to peace. That forgiveness is the path to peace. And if I think if we're honest, this is really what we desire. The disruptions of our soul would calm down, that we wouldn't walk into that room and see that person and the rest of our night be ruined. Our desire is peace that we wouldn't feel the anxiety, that we wouldn't feel the depression, the anger that comes from an unforgiving heart. Our desire is peace. So if that's true, how do we get there? See, for this path to peace, forgiveness paves the way, but the unfortunate part is that this path always begins with pain, that it's inevitable. It's a part of the relationships we have. It's a part of our marriage. It's a part of our relationships with our kids, with our friends. It is a fact of life that you will have pain. I think that's what's so important about why we forgive is that if we don't learn how to forgive, then this is as far as we make it along the road. And there may be some of you today that you're like, you don't understand the scale of my pain. But here's what I want you to know, that whether the pain you feel was small or maybe the pain you feel is a monster, the path to peace remains the same. Whether it was pain that took place 30 years ago or pain that took place 30 minutes ago, the path to peace remains the same. And that's at times what makes peace really so elusive. Is that in the midst of pain, peace seems like something so far away that you will never get there. That when you're dealing with hurt that's 30, 40 years old, peace seems like something that's an eternity away. Yet what I know is that God's forgiveness provides a path to peace. That your story is never too far gone for him to step in and provide peace from even some of the most painful moments. See, so on our journey to peace, we've got to learn forgiveness. That it follows our next step in this journey is forgiveness. This is really the beauty of what Jesus has done for us and what he gives you the ability to do for others. The canceling of a debt, no longer holding it over someone's head. You see, our next step along the path is the path to reconciliation. A redeemed relationship. That Understand this, that forgiveness does not require reconciliation, but reconciliation always begins with forgiveness. So if you have a relationship that's in need of restoring, the path to get there comes through forgiveness. And I think at times, this restoration piece is the one that can trip us up, can it? That there's some relationships that you and I have that we go, well, if I restore that relationship, that could mean something really awful for me, Chris. 
If I restore this relationship with someone who's abused me, how in the world will that ever bring peace? And here's what I want you to know that I think the scripture teaches. That although forgiveness is many things, one thing forgiveness is not is reconciliation. That your path to peace may not have reconciliation as a step in it. That forgiveness is not reconciliation. Listen to what Romans 12 verse 18 says. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. This is what I think Romans 12 is teaching us, is that there are certain relationships that do not need to be reconciled. That your path to peace will be paved without reconciliation as a part of it. Maybe it is someone who's abused you and you needed to get away. I think Romans 12 is telling you, you do not have to go reconcile that relationship. Maybe it's someone who hurt you 30 years ago and you don't even know their name, but you remember their story. You don't have to go hunt them down and find them and reconcile that relationship. Your path to peace can be paved strictly through forgiveness. So, but I do think there are some relationships, without a doubt, that require reconciliation. If you get in a tiff with your husband or your wife, your path to peace will be paved through reconciliation. You should solve that, you should restore the relationship. If you get an, ang an angry confrontation with a brother or sister in Christ, your path to peace should be paved through reconciliation. But I want you to understand that if you're hurting today, perhaps that might not be a step that's required for your path to peace. You see, forgiveness isn't reconciliation. And there's a few other things that forgiveness is not as well. That forgiveness isn't dismissing what happened. Hear this. That forgiveness is not just pushing it under the rug and pretending it like it never happened. This whole idea of forgive and forget is bogus, isn't it? That, that we forgive, but we don't step out of the reality that we were in. We step into a reality that allows the peace of Christ to flourish in our life. That we're not trying to ask you to step out of what happened. It's not something that forgiveness can cure what took place in your past, but forgiveness can set free what can take place in your future in this path to peace. Forgiveness isn't injustice. That there are times you need to say the words, I forgive you, and then you need to pick up the phone and call the authorities. That there are moments where laws have been broken, where people have been wronged, and you need to protect yourself and your family so you can forgive and still allow justice to take its toll. That may be a step you need to take to call the authorities and let them do what they have been trained and equipped and what God has blessed them to do in those hard moments. Forgiveness isn't immediate trust. You see, as followers of Jesus, we should be radical with our forgiveness, but at times, we should be a little bit more guarded with our trust. If the teenager is constantly breaking curfew, is constantly doing goofy things when they break curfew, you can forgive them and still take the keys away to the car, that's okay. If you've got someone that you're dating and they are a serial cheater, you can forgive them and then break up with the fool, okay? Like that is okay, you do not have to stay with them. You don't have to let them have your trust again. But forgiveness is required for those who follow Jesus, but it is not immediate trust. See, now that we have a little bit better handle on what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't, how do we actually get there, y'all? How do we get to this spot where we become a people of radical forgiveness? I think it begins by us recognizing our own need, by us remembering our 
need. I told you a story earlier about Jesus and Peter, and he talked about this servant who had gotten 10,000 bags of gold forgiven as a debt. See, the story continues that the servant leaves the master's quarters and he runs into a fellow servant who owed him 100 silver coins, not much pennies in comparison to what he had owed. And the servant walks up to his buddy that owes him this money and he grabs him by the neck and he says, give me my money. Can you imagine this story playing out? This guy who's just been forgiven of an enormous debt handles his buddy this way. The fellow servant says, well, I can't pay for it, but please have mercy on me. I promise I will pay you in full. A hundred silver coins would not have been hard for him to tackle that debt. Yet that servant had no mercy. And he said, nope, take him to jail. And they take his buddy off and throw him in prison. Now, the master finds out that this servant has done this horrific act. And I want you to hear the master's response. Matthew 18, verse 32. The master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on the fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you, Jesus says to Peter, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Y'all, how often have we become the servant who was forgiven of so much, yet we hold the pennies as the thing that we will carry through life? How often have we been that servant who the debt that we had forgiven was enormous, yet the debt against us we've held on to and said, no, I will not let this thing go. That Jesus is teaching a new paradigm of radical forgiveness. And I think for us to get there, we've gotta remember our own need. That what Jesus forgave us of was so great that we should be people of radical forgiveness. I think we've got to remember our need. I think we also have to re-gift grace. You ever gotten a really bad re-gift? You know, like the china that was probably someone else's china that was someone else's china bowl from their wedding? Uh, we got a re-gift, no lie, one time, my little boy, he's four years old now, his name is Cedar. We got a re-gift at a baby shower, and I don't think the people even knew that they were re-gifting it. We got home, and we started unwrapping all the gifts and putting them in their place, and we unfolded this baby blanket, and it had the name Matthew on it. <laughs> and uh, that ain't my kid's name, y'all. So, <laughs> so Matthew, if your parents are watching today, we forgive you, all right? So the, uh, <laughs> it was a terrible re-gift. Some of you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but have you ever gotten those good re-gifts? That it was like when you were 16 and your dad handed down that car to you? Like, oh, this is incredible. He gave me my first set of wheels. Those re-gifts that you remember that were actually good ones, this is how we must be with our grace. That we have to be the most incredible re-gifters in the world when it comes to the forgiveness that we have received. That if you're gonna re-gift any gift, let it be grace. But what if that is what we were known as a people, people that re-gift the grace that God has given us in such an incredible way that people take notice? See, not only do we need to re-gift grace so that we can begin to forgive, I think we have to make the choice to forgive, that we must choose to forgive. We don't wait on someone else to initiate the forgiveness. We don't wait on them to feel our pain. We don't even wait on them to say, I'm sorry. 
that we forgive regardless of what their actions are. And maybe today what this means for you is that you need to make a phone call on the way home and let somebody know, hey, I, I forgive what took place. I forgive you and I'm gonna continue forgiving you. I'm gonna continue to make this choice every day if that's what I have to do to wake up every morning and say, I forgive. Maybe for some of those relationships that you don't need to make the phone call, you don't need to reconcile them. Maybe you need to follow like one of my friends did and write a letter that tells of the forgiveness to this person that's wronged you. Maybe it's a letter that'll never get sent to them, but it's a letter that you pull up to remind yourself of the choice you have made to forgive. To not let it be the thing that holds on forever. Some of you today, the choice you need to make is to forgive. Perhaps some of us today, we need to let God's love fill the gaps. That, that how do I forgive? We let God's love fill the gaps. In these moments when you're stuck in pain and you don't see the possibility for forgiveness to ever be something on your horizon, what if we allowed God's love to fill that gap? You know, the Bible teaches that his grace is sufficient for us, that in our weakness, he is strong. So if you're trapped in a moment of pain without ever being able to see peace on the horizon, what if you allowed God's love to fill the gap until your soul could get to a spot that you can forgive? What if you allowed what Jesus did for you to be the very thing that draws your heart to be able to forgive? Maybe you've gotten to the forgiveness spot. Yet you don't buy in that you could ever have a reconciled relationship with the person that, you hurt, that hurt you. Maybe you're sitting here going, yep, I can forgive him for not ever being there when I was a kid. I can forgive my dad for always being at work and never coming home at night. But I don't know that I can reconcile that relationship. What if you allowed God's love to fill the gap? That his love in your weakness was what was able to draw you to a spot where your heart could reconcile that broken relationship. You may say, yep, I can forgive her for being angry. I can forgive my mom for being bitter, but I don't know that I can have a restored relationship with her. What if you let God's love step in and fill the gap? You see, this path to peace was one that was paved by Jesus. That this path that he is asking us to join on was one that he paved for me and for you. It's baked in the love of God. That as we fell short, as we sinned against his perfection, he came and he died on the cross to provide forgiveness, to provide reconciliation, that we are able to be forgiven by the mighty creator of it all and have a restored relationship with him so that we can have peace. And there may be some of you today that you've never taken that first step to allow God to forgive you of the areas you have fallen short. And so maybe your path to peace begins by you accepting Jesus as your God, as your Lord, as your Savior. And there may be others of you today that you're a believer in him, yet you're stuck on one of these steps along the way. And what if we begin together to recognize that God is drawing you down this path to peace, sometimes as slowly as necessary, yet his love fills the gaps for you. Let this be a promise of his goodness. Let this be a promise of his peace. Will you pray with me today? God, we're in awe of who you are. 
We're in awe that you would care enough about us to forgive us. And Lord, I just ask that as a people, we would be a people known by our radical forgiveness. That you would fill the gaps for us with your love. That when we're stuck in those moments of pain, Lord, I pray that you would be more real than ever before. I pray that as some of us begin those tough moves this next week to walk this path to peace, that your love would fill the gaps and draw us to who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for the forgiveness you gave so freely to us, and we pray that we would be a people that give it just as freely in return. It's in the name of Jesus I pray, amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church slash digital.